Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Charts with Dan. I'm going to say right up front, I apologize if I sound a little congested. I am in the middle of a full-blown allergy attack, but, you know, the box office doesn't wait for allergies, so we're just going to push through it. We've got so much to talk about this week, including the opening of Fast X. Was it a good opening? Was it not a good opening? Well, it's a pretty complicated situation, and we're going to break all of that down, as well as a preview of what's coming up at the box office this Memorial Day weekend. Before we get into all that stuff, though, just a quick reminder, I'm now available over on Cameo, which has been a lot of fun, doing birthday greetings and answering questions, people asking for advice. I do the best that I can. If you want to check that out, you can see that in the description below. It's really just another way to connect, and it's something that's been a lot of fun, in addition to helping to bolster that wedding fund. But with that out of the way, let's jump to what you're really here for, which is the weekend box office. And we will look at the box office top five. Of course, as we knew the case would be, Fast X was the number one film at both the domestic and the worldwide box office. Its final domestic total was $67 million, a little bit north of that, which is about where people saw it. It was on the lower end of most estimates, but it wouldn't be what you would call an underperformance, and there's a lot more to break down with that number coming up. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 holds pretty well again in Week 3, a 47.7% drop from last week for a total of $32.4 million. We'll have an update on that movie in a little bit. The Super Mario Brothers movie still hanging in there in the top three in its seventh week of release, a 23.9% drop from last weekend and a $9.6 million total. Book Club, the next chapter, there may have been a little bit of hope that that older demographic may have softened that week two drop, but it drops 55.1% for a total just over $3 million. So we'll see how it does in the weeks ahead. Evil Dead Rise spends another week in the top five, a 34.9% drop in week five and a $2.4 million total. I believe I read that Evil Dead Rise is now Warner Brothers' highest grossing worldwide film of the year, surpassing Shazam, Fury of the Gods. In sixth place, John Wick Chapter 4 just keeps on slaying in week nine, 35.6% drop from last week and a $1.3 million total. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. And its fourth week comes in seventh place with a 47.8% drop and a $1.3 million total. After a not-so-impressive debut last week, Ben Affleck and Robert Rodriguez's Hypnotic takes a 66% drop in week two for a total under $1 million, just $815,000. Love Again is at number nine, a big drop from last week, 71.7%. I would imagine it lost a lot of screens to Fast X and a total just north of $400,000. And I said last week that Dungeons & Dragons would be out of the top 10. Well, you know what? I was wrong because it's back in for, again, maybe just one more week. Who knows? Maybe it hangs around for another week or two. It's in its eighth week of release and a drop of 48.8% from last weekend with a total of just over $400,000. Only one movie dropping out 
out of the top 10 this week, and that is Air, which is now streaming on Amazon Prime after a six-week run in the box office top 10. And when we look at what I like to call the road to recovery, so the red line there is the weekend box office average for the years 2021 and 2022 after theaters reopened. The blue line is the weekend average for 2015 to 2019, the five years preceding the pandemic. And then that dotted black line is this year's weekend box office. And again, this has been a running trend. We are right in between that red line and the blue line. So we're significantly outperforming where the box office was this time the last couple years. The top performing movie in 2021 and 2022 was actually the continued run of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But we are also well below the box office average for the pre-pandemic five years. The top performing movie across that five-year span was 2018's Deadpool 2 and its opening weekend. Now, if The Little Mermaid performs as expected and Fast X and Guardians continue to hold well, then it's possible for the three-day Friday, Saturday, Sunday Memorial Day weekend, we could see that black line approach the blue line from the pre-pandemic times. We'll just have to wait and see. Looking around the world, so this is outside of the domestic marketplace at all other markets, Fast X had a much bigger number there, $251,389,000 for Fast X around the world, including a much larger than expected opening in China. The early word that I was reading out of China was that pre-sales for Fast X weren't great, but it appears that word of mouth really boosted that box office, and it did over $75 million in its Chinese opening. So that was a potential catastrophe that that Fast X was able to avert. In second place was Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which banked another $48.8 million outside of the domestic market, followed by the Super Mario Brothers movie at $17.1 million. China's Godspeed in fourth place with $10.3 million. And then in fifth place, another film from the Chinese market, which is actually a remake of a South Korean film called Too Beautiful to Lie, with a total of $6.2 million. So when you take those international numbers, you combine them with our domestic numbers, we get our top five films worldwide, which means that Fast X opened to a total gross of $318.4 million. That is a big number, and we'll break that down a little bit more. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 bringing in another $81.2 million worldwide this past weekend, followed by another $26.7 million for the Super Mario Brothers movie, and the numbers 4 and 5 remain the same, Godspeed and Too Beautiful to Lie rounding out the top five. So let's look first of all at where Fast X falls as far as the biggest weekends of 2023. Fast X did not have one of the five biggest weekends overall domestically this past weekend, but it did have the fifth largest opening weekend of the year at just over $67 million, coming in behind the openings of John Wick Chapter 4, which opened to $73.8 million, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at $106.1 million, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 at $118.5 4 million, and then the Super Mario Brothers movie at 146.3 million. It should be noted that Fast X was by far the highest budgeted movie of those five, and we will look at that number much more in depth in just a few minutes. When we look at the highest three day opening weekends worldwide, it actually just missed by less than a million dollars. The opening weekend of the Super Mario Brothers movie, Super Mario Brothers opened to $319.1 million in its first three-day opening weekend worldwide. 
FastX at $318.4 million. So statistically, almost a tie there. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 bumped down to second with its $289.3 million opening, followed by Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at 227.4 and John Wick Chapter 4 at $137.8 million. And then looking at the overall weekend grosses for the year worldwide, FastX did have the second highest grossing weekend of the year following the opening weekend of the Super Mario Brothers movie and ahead of the openings of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And then rounding out the top five was the second weekend of the Super Mario Brothers movie, which brought in $186.4 million. We started something this year called the Franchise Tracker, which basically helps us to see visually where different films and franchises are from week to week compared to the other movies in that franchise. So let's look for the first time at the Fast and Furious Franchise Tracker. Boy, that is a tongue twister. Let's look first by Domestic Opening Weekend, and we see that of the 11 Fast and Furious films, which would be the 10 main movies plus Hobbs and Shaw, Fast X had the seventh biggest opening just behind behind F9, the Fast Saga, in 2021. Of course, the thing to know with F9 is that in 2021, two years ago, things were very different as far as the theatrical marketplace goes. I think that F9 was one of the biggest, if not the biggest movies to open yet as theaters were reopening and not everybody was comfortable going back. So for F9 to open a little bit higher than Fast X, despite a rejuvenated theatrical marketplace, I think domestically is a little bit of a disappointment for this film. You see the highest opening for the franchise was Furious 7 back in 2015. It opened to $147.1 million. Then The Fate of the Furious in 2017, Fast and Furious 6 in 2013, Fast 5 in 2011, Fast and Furious, the fourth film in 2009, then F9, The Fast Saga, and then we have Fast X. Fast X was able to top the openings of Hobbs and Shaw, Too Fast, Too Furious, The Fast and the Furious, and The Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. When you don't adjust for inflation, but you know what we do here on this show, we almost always adjust for inflation. And when you do that, Fast X had the second lowest opening of the entire franchise. It comes in just below the adjusted opening of the first Fast and Furious movie back in 2001. Actually, the only film that Fast X was able to beat out and quite handily was the opening of the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, which will remain in the basement as far as box office goes for the Fast franchise, probably forever or until they run this thing a little too far. Just to set some baselines here, let's see how Fast X is doing against all of the other franchise films right now. Domestically, it has already past the box office total of Tokyo Drift, which made $62.6 million back in 2006. Fast X is over $67 million. It's got about another $60 million to go before it passes Too Fast, Too Furious. Then the original The Fast and the Furious is just ahead of that, followed by 2009's Fast and Furious, and then F9, The Fast Saga, and Hobbs and Shaw ahead of that. If you can get that far, though, it's got a little bit of room to go before you get into that elite top four, which would be Fast 5. Five, six, seven, and 8. We'll see if it's able to do that. When you adjust these numbers for inflation, Fast X is currently the lowest grossing film in the franchise, which isn't surprising because it's only been open for one weekend. So we will track this and see how it does. It will pass the total of the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. And then the question is, will it be up there at $193.6 million? If it can get to that $200 million mark, it will pass F9 the Fast Saga, and then we'll see where it can go from there. But the domestic numbers on the Fast movies 
these haven't really been the whole story for quite some time. So let's look at how this is doing as far as worldwide box office totals. And you'll see that it's actually already topped the worldwide box office total, not only of the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, but also the first Fast and Furious film and the second Fast and Furious film. It is a little bit behind 2009's Fast and Furious, but then you see the work that it has to do because once it bypasses Fast and Furious, it has about another $300 million to make worldwide before it starts getting into Fast 5, F9, etc. And that's really where this movie needs to be. And I say it's where the movie needs to be because the financial picture on Fast X is as complicated as we've seen on this show before. Domestically, I'd say the opening is fine. I mean, you really don't want to start losing grosses dollar by dollar as you're ramping up toward the end of your franchise. It's not an absolute disaster, but it's not great either. Worldwide, though, that's a pretty good number. If you're just less than a million dollars off the highest opening weekend of the year worldwide at over $300 million in just your first few days, from a theatrical standpoint, that is a really strong number and a really strong opening. But there's one X factor no pun intended, that you have to factor in with Fast X, and that is this movie's unbelievable cost. Because when you look at the reported budget, Fast X costs just $10 million less than Avatar The Way of Water. The reported budget of Fast X is $340 million, and that's before you add in the print and advertising budget, which is sure to be huge for a movie like this. And so it's not just about the domestic opening versus the international opening, which are two different stories. It's both of those numbers now tied in to the budget on this movie and the very large amount of money that it has to make in order to be profitable due to the immense budget of the film. When we look at what I call the road to profitability, this is something that we've seen a similar version of for a lot of other films. You see the movie's already made $77.1 million in China. If we're going to estimate a 20% share of that back to investors that's 15.4 million internationally the movie's done almost 175 million dollars that's a good number 40 percent of that comes back to the investors that's nearly 70 million dollars about 40 million dollars of the opening weekend goes back to investors because we're giving them about a 60 percent share so when you add all of that in that means that the movie brought in an estimated 125 million dollars or so in box office grosses in just its opening weekend which is in a vacuum a really good number, but then you have to put that up against the $340 million budget of the film. Looking at the projected cost of the film, the budget estimated at $340 million. Let's give it a print and advertising budget of $100 million. It could well be more than that. That gives us total costs of $440 million for the film. You have $125 million in estimated theatrical income so far. Against the cost of the movie, you still need to bring in $314.6 million in theatrical grosses to break even in the theatrical window and that's the important distinction to make here this doesn't include product tie-ins this doesn't include streaming revenue this doesn't include physical media releases this is just about profitability in the theatrical window not every movie achieves that a lot of movies don't but it is always nice to have a movie with a budget like this be able to be profitable just from worldwide ticket sales fast x isn't anywhere close to that and it actually has to make 
make a lot of money, not just open big. This movie has to hold extremely well against some tough summer competition in order to get that profitability in the theatrical window because of the immense costs that come attached to it. And the thing that I think was really interesting with this film is the narrative around it versus Avatar The Way of Water because the movie's cost roughly the same, but when you look at the reporting for Fast X's box office, most of it was centered around the fact that it had a really strong international number, which it did, but not a lot of talk about the budget. It basically was about the strength of the worldwide opening, and yet if you flash back to December when Avatar The Way of Water opened, so much of the talk around the film before it opened was about how much it cost, that when it opened, a large amount of the coverage was about, well, did it make enough? Well, the opening weekend was below expectations domestically. Well, did it make enough worldwide, or, or is it going to sink over the Christmas uh, holidays? And yet I haven't seen a whole lot of that talk with Fast X, despite the fact that it opened to half of what Avatar The Way of Water did domestically, and it opened about $120 million under what Avatar The Way of Water did worldwide. And that really, to me, says that people were just primed for this conversation about the profitability of Avatar The Way of Water in a way that they are not primed when it comes to this conversation about Fast X, because it's every bit as legitimate about this movie as it was about The Way of Water. I think it's a really interesting demonstration of how expectation can drive narrative and vice versa. So trying to parse all of this, looking at the various numbers and the budget, etc., there are a few things that I personally am taking away from this opening weekend so far. Number one, I think it's just further evidence that the Fast franchise has peaked domestically that you're not going to see those high, high numbers of Furious 7 or even Fate of the Furious unless you do something really big and hype something up, like, for example, one actual last ride by making one last Fast and Furious movie with all of the cast members brought back. So that's number one. Number two is that the Fast franchise does remain very viable internationally. It's still able to drive big international grosses, and I think it's healthy in that sense. We'll see how it holds up in the weeks to come, but but the fact that it is able to get those opening numbers still is good news for the franchise worldwide. At the same time, given its $340 million budget plus prints and advertising, it's also going to be reliant on those worldwide numbers to try to break even theatrically, which is, I think, always the goal for a lot of movies. And it's going to have to do not just $700 million. $700 million isn't going to be enough. $800 million I don't think is going to be enough. $900 million, you're probably getting close. A billion dollars would be nice. But again, that's the thing that so many people were kind of ridiculing uh, James Cameron for, was making a movie like you have to make a billion dollars to break even. Well, you could throw that same thing at Fast X, and it remains to be seen whether it's going to be able to achieve that. So looking at all of that, I still believe, and I said this, I think, in my review for the film, that the best thing for the Fast and Furious franchise proper, I'm not talking about spinoffs, etc., those can probably be budgeted much lower. I mean, the main Fast franchise, I believe that what Universal should do, don't do this trilogy that Vin Diesel says they're doing. You never really know where Vin Diesel's, where these thoughts are coming from that come out of his mouth. Uh, who, who knows where that came from? He could have just made it up on the red carpet. Nobody knows. I think the smart thing for Universal would be to make one last ride, one actual final Fast and the Furious movie, somehow figure out how to get that budget down. And I'm not saying make it for $100 million. I'm saying literally make it for $250 million. Just kind of insulate yourself a little bit from that need to get close to that billion-dollar mark, even though I think 
I think that if you pull it off, you could easily make a billion dollar film. And while nothing's ever guaranteed in Hollywood, I think that's as close to a roadmap of almost guaranteed success as you can get. You could probably boost the numbers domestically. You could really hype it up internationally. And I think that that's the best thing that this franchise can do for itself, which means it's probably not what it's going to do. But, you know, hey, I'm just some guy. They don't have to take my advice. But looking at all these numbers... That's my big takeaway. So a very complicated story with Fast X, but also, you know, I love complicated stories. They're not clicky, but they're interesting, and that's really the motto of the show. We've got so much more to break down, but before we do, I want to thank the sponsors for this week's episode. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1. We are coming up on Memorial Day weekend, the official kickoff of summer, which means the pool, vacations, mowing the lawn, all that fun stuff. And that also means it's more important than ever to make sure that you're giving your body what it needs. I take AG1 every day when I do my breakfast shake, and it makes me feel like I'm covering my nutritional bases and just starting my day off right. It's really been helping me with improved digestion and gut health, a big focus of mine. But it's also great to know that I'm giving my body everything it needs to get through the day, whether I'm hanging out by the pool or more likely making a video. AG1 is one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day, making it easy to live your best life, and each scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that are delivered right to me every month, so it's been super easy to make it a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com Dan. That's athleticgreens.com Dan to check it out. Today's show is brought to you by Collective. If you're running your own business like I do, then you know that it's a lot of fun, the freedom, the adventure, the flexibility, but with all that comes lots of other stuff that's not as fun, like paperwork, accounting, and taxes. If you want to focus on your passion and not the paperwork, then Collective is something that you should know about because it is the all-in-one financial solution for freelancers, contractors, and self-employed entrepreneurs. Collective handles all of your corporation formation and compliance work, taxes, bookkeeping, accounting, even payroll. If you've done business this year, you have until June 30th to make an S-Corp election, which means Collective can still save you thousands of dollars in taxes. And Collective members save on average $10,000 per year with this structure, making Collective the membership that easily pays for itself and then some. So act before June 30th to save potentially thousands of dollars in taxes this year. Go to collective.com and have someone who knows what they're doing handle your setup, accounting, bookkeeping, and taxes. That's collective.com. Fast X wasn't the only game in town this weekend, though. Let's give an update on a couple of other movies, starting with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I mentioned that it held pretty well in Week 3, and it continues to track through 17 days of release about where we saw it last weekend. You see there, it's in the upper 50% of the MCU. It is tracking ahead of Spider-Man Homecoming and a little bit behind Thor Love and Thunder. I still think that that is probably the best domestic box office comparison for this movie. That domestic gross of around $350 million, I think is the bullseye or the target for Guardians Volume 3. I think it might exceed that a little bit, but it's still on track to achieve that. And looking at the MCU franchise tracker, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is now the 20th highest grossing film domestically in the MCU. It has surpassed the grosses of Captain America the Winter Soldier, Doctor Strange, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, among others. The films that are really in line, if they can get above that $300 million mark, are Iron Man 2, Thor Ragnarok,
Hitchcock, the original Iron Man. And then if it can get around $335 million, you're getting into Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man Homecoming. And then that 350 range would put you above Thor Love and Thunder and just below the second Guardians of the Galaxy film. So let's see how it holds up. Looking at the MCU, as far as inflation-adjusted grosses, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is actually holding in still pretty well. It's number 22, just behind the inflation-adjusted gross of Doctor Strange. And then you have a bigger jump up to Captain America, The Winter Soldier. So we will see how it continues to track in the weeks ahead. And then looking at the MCU, as far as worldwide gross, Guardians of the Galaxy is number 20 worldwide for the MCU right now. It's very close to bypassing the worldwide total of the first Doctor Strange film. Then it'll have Captain America, The Winter Soldier in its sights. And then again, Thor Love and Thunder, which had $760.9 million worldwide. I think that Guardians 3 is going to surpass that. We're going to see something closer into the $800 million range. Just my guess, the bottom could fall out. But I don't really see that happening right now. One other quick update concerns the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is still in the box office top three, and it has now become the third highest grossing animated film of all time worldwide. It has bypassed Incredibles 2, and I think it's got a really good shot, almost guaranteed really, to bypass the worldwide total of the first Frozen film, so it would become the second highest grossing film of all time worldwide. However, it does not look like it's going to get up to the Frozen 2 level. It looks like it'll stay there at number two, but still pretty impressive for a first movie in a franchise to be the second highest grossing animated film of all time worldwide. Let's look now at some weekend numbers and we will start with the top per theater averages domestically and Fast X had the top per theater average bringing in $16,564 in each of its 4,046 theaters. Sanctuary at number two starring Margaret Qualley and Christopher Abbott in just five theaters brought in $12,994 per theater. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was actually the widest release of the past weekend, 4,450 theaters and still bringing in a healthy $7,283 per theater. Moon Garden was in just one theater and brought in $4,517, followed by the multi-award winning French film The Night of the Twelfth, bringing in $2,728, playing in just one theater. Looking at the top five films in limited release, meaning under 1,000 theaters, BlackBerry was number one in its second weekend in 374 theaters, although we saw a big drop across the board when it came to limited release films this weekend. $288,000 for BlackBerry. Paul Schrader's newest film, Master Gardener, starring Joel Edgerton, was in second place in 225 theaters with $264,000, followed by Nefarious, which continues to stick around really well on the limited release circuit, $255,000. Two movies taking big drops from last weekend were Knights of the Zodiac, playing in 588 theaters. It actually expanded its theater count by a little bit, but took a big drop, $165,000 total for Knights of the Zodiac in Weekend 2. And then Charlie Day's Fool's Paradise lost a bunch of theaters and ended up with just over $100,000 in 452 theaters in its second week. Looking at the limited release top 10 grocers for this year, and this is all tickets sold, whether the movie came out in 2022 or 2023. Just a small change here. The top five remain the same. Patan, the re-release of Return of the Jedi, A Man Called Otto, Women Talking, and The Wandering Earth 2. Nefarious has broken that $5 million mark, though, and is now the sixth highest grossing limited release film of the year and looks poised to break in to the top five next weekend. Pony and Selvin Part 2 drops to number seven, and then Mummy's Bo is Afraid and The Whale round out the top ten.
Of course, these limited release films are often supported by independent theaters, not just here in the U.S., but also around the world. And we've started a feature here on the show where we spotlight one every week, and then 10% of our ad revenue for this week's episode will go to that theater. And this week, we are spotlighting the Drexel Theater in Columbus, Ohio, which was converted from a grocery store into an Art Deco theater back in 1937. That single-screen theater was then converted to a three-screen theater and is committed to showing independent films not found at nearby larger theaters in Columbus. In 2011, the theater was turned into a nonprofit by the new owners, a group called Friends of the Drexel. And the Drexel is listed on the National Registry of Historic Places and constantly in the process of both restoration and renovation. The Drexel is currently playing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, and Paul Schrader's Master Gardener. The Little Mermaid's going to open there this weekend along with other independent films. They also have a Monday screening series that has a different theme each month. Next week, they are wrapping up David Lynch, and then in June, they're starting a screening series dedicated to seduction cinema. If you want to find Showtimes, buy tickets, find out more about the theater, or donate because the Drexel is a nonprofit theater, you can head over to drexel.net and if you do end up heading over there or donating as always be sure to tell them that dan sent you all right let's look at some 2023 charts and we'll start with the summer box office which is still uh, not quite sizzling i mean we're not even really into the official start of summer yet as far as the calendar goes this memorial day weekend is what people consider generally the start of summer but we still have some movies on the list first guardians of the galaxy volume 3 which is the number one film of the summer so far then fast x which debuts as the second highest grossing film of the summer so far book club the next chapter gets bumped down to number three love again gets bumped down to number four hypnotic gets bumped down to number five and rally road racers is at number six and i know some of you may be saying what is rally road racers well it is a wide release it was in 1200 theaters it was slow to report grosses last week and it is the rare independent animated film unfortunately couldn't drum up a lot of interest in its release last week or this week despite generally good but limited reviews but that wide release puts it on the chart so congratulations rally road racers as of right now you are a top 10 summer movie Looking at my predictions for the summer, again, it's still very early. Only two of my 10 predicted films have even opened. The third one, The Little Mermaid, opens this weekend. It was my pick, though, for the highest grossing film of the summer. So a lot is on the line with the opening of The Little Mermaid this weekend, both the three-day and the four-day holiday weekend opening. I predicted Guardians of the Galaxy to finish third. I predicted Fast X to finish eighth. Again, this is domestic box office, not worldwide box office. And I'm feeling okay about both of those predictions so far. But the summer is young, and there are many, many weeks left to break my heart as often happens with the summer box office. Looking at the 2023 domestic box office, again, not much changing from last week. The Super Mario Brothers movie remains number one, just shy of $550 million. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is at number two. It's now at $266.9 million, followed by Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania at $214.3 million, John Wick Chapter 4 at $185.3 million, Creed 3 in the top five for now at $156.2 million, and its theatrical run has now officially ended domestically, so that is your final gross. Scream 6 remains at number six. Megan is at number seven. Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves is at number eight. Fast X enters the chart at number nine, dropping Cocaine Bear to number 10, and dropping Evil Dead Rise off the chart altogether. 
Looking at the year as far as calendar gross, which is all tickets sold no matter when the movie was released, for now, Avatar The Way of Water remains the second highest grossing film of the year as far as number of tickets sold. However, it will soon be eclipsed by Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and bumped down to number 3. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is at number 4, and John Wick Chapter 4 is at number 5 after Guardians 3 jumps up to that third spot this past weekend. Creed 6 drops to number 6, followed by Puss in Boots The Last Wish, which is now in 7th place for the year. Scream 6 is at number 8, Megan is at number 9, and Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves likely to be surrendering its spot to Fast X next weekend, and perhaps Megan as well, depending on how well The Little Mermaid opens. This is the 2023 Worldwide Box Office. Of course, the Super Mario Brothers movie still easily on top at $1.2 billion, although Fast X is really going to want to start making progress up this chart quickly if it wants to be profitable in that theatrical window. For now, the Chinese film Full River Red is the second highest grossing film of the year worldwide, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will take that spot on next week's chart. The Wandering Earth 2 is at number 4. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania stays at number 5. John Wick Chapter 4 is at number six fast x hits the charts at number seven with 318.5 million dollars worldwide creed three drops down one spot to number eight boonie bears guardian code drops down to number nine and dungeons and dragons honor among thieves drops to number 10 knocking out megan which was an early entrant in the chart in fact it opened in calendar year 2022 in some countries Before we go, as we always do, I'm going to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and we're going to go back to 1982 in celebration of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who has a new series hitting Netflix this week, FUBAR. You know that if you watch streaming charts with Dan, which you still can right now. But we're going to go back to the beginning of his career, to his biggest role to that time. It was after Hercules in New York, but I would say that this was his first real lead role. The weekend of May 14th to the 16th, 1982, which saw the opening of the original Conan the Barbarian at $9.6 million. In second place was the sex comedy Porky's in its ninth weekend for a $2.8 million total and a domestic running total at that time of $76 million. In third place was The Sword and the Sorcerer in its fourth week of release. It was an independent fantasy film from director Albert Pyun, who would also do Cyborg, Kickboxer 2, and the straight-to-video first feature film adaptation of Captain America. That $11.8 million total is a bit deceiving because based on its budget, The Sword and the Sorcerer was actually a pretty sizable box office hit. In fourth place was the film Paradise, which was a pretty shameless ripoff of The Blue Lagoon, starring Willie Ames and Phoebe Cates. It dropped 48.4% in its second weekend for a $4.6 million total. And then in fifth place, Sean Connery in a movie I'd actually never heard of called Wrong is Right, playing a reporter covering a potential nuclear conflict. This movie was from writer-director Richard Brooks, who also did, well, he did a lot of films, including Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. He won an Oscar for writing Elmer Gantry. Just one of those movies, a top five movie in 1982 I've literally never heard of. Of course, we don't just flash back to the past. We also like to see how these grosses would translate to today's dollars, which means that we're going to hit that inflation button. And when we adjust for inflation, we see that Conan the Barbarian opens to the equivalent of $30.1 million in today's dollars, with Porky's bringing in $8.9 million in week nine. And look at that, a total of $239 million domestically. That is crazy. The Sword and the Sorcerer in week three with $6.9 million and a third. $37 million total. In fourth place, Paradise, $4.5 million and a total of $14.7 million domestically. And then Sean Connery and Wrong is Right opening to $4.4 million in fifth place. 
And that wraps up the charts for this week, but it is a very busy week at the box office, both in wide release and limited release. Of course, as I mentioned, The Little Mermaid, my pick for the highest grossing film of the summer, will be opening as we go into the Memorial Day weekend. So there's going to be a lot to talk about with that and also a lot to talk about here on the channel because I'm going to review The Little Mermaid and then after I've seen it, over this Memorial Day weekend, I'm also going to be uploading another ranked video where I look at all of the Disney live action remakes. And yes, I'm rewatching all of them. So it's been a really fun week. Uh, so please watch that video, if only to, um, I don't know, console me for watching a lot of these movies. Um, but it's also going to be a fun video. So I can't wait to do that. Also, in many theaters around the country is The Machine from stand up comic Burt Kreischer. It's a story based on his real life also starring Mark Hamill and Jimmy Tatro. It's also directed by Peter Atencio, who did a lot of uh, Key and Peele stuff, as well as the movie Keanu. So some prestige there, some definitely comedic prestige as far as behind the camera. There's also another autobiographical film from a stand-up comic opening this weekend. It's a very specific genre about my father from Sebastian Maniscalco, Robert De Niro playing his father, again, based on Maniscalco's life. Also hitting theaters this weekend is the newest film from Jared. That's how I say it, because that's how how it's pronounced Butler Kandahar about Butler and his translator fighting for survival. The movie reunites Butler with his Greenland and Angel Has Fallen director Rick Roman Waugh. So those movies in many theaters around the country and then in limited release are many movies including You Hurt My Feelings starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus directed and written by Nicole Holofcener. She was nominated for an Oscar for writing Can You Ever Forgive Me? She was also the co-writer of The Last Duel with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon just to name some more recent works. The Wrath of Becky is opening in limited release, starring Lulu Wilson and Sean William Scott, a home invasion action film that has gotten some positive reviews thus far. Also getting some good reviews is an international film called The Hole in the Fence, about a group of young, privileged teenagers at a private boys' school. There have been comparisons drawn to Lord of the Flies, so you can see that in a few theaters around the country. Will of the Wisp, which is a brisk 67-minute film about a dying king's flashback to his days training as a firefighter, will be hitting theaters in limited release, as well as Gade Gade Cha, a Punjabi language film from India, probably in many theaters around the country. We have seen the strength of the Indian box office here domestically. And then finally, a documentary called Close to Vermeer about the world's largest Vermeer exhibition in Amsterdam. So a lot of options to see in both theaters, big and small, if you decide to go see a movie this Memorial Day weekend. Be sure to tune in right here on the channel next week to see how The Little Mermaid opened. And stay tuned here on the channel to get my review of The Little Mermaid, the Disney live-action remakes. We'll probably throw in a news show at some point this week, maybe a streaming charts. It's a crazy time here at the channel. You never really know what I'm going to do. I'm a madman at the wheel. Thank you to Collective and Athletic Greens for sponsoring the show. Be sure to check out the description below for more information about both of them. And, of course, be sure to hit that subscribe subscribe button and share this video if you like what you see. Thanks for spending some time with me. Until next time, stay safe and I'll see you then. Bye. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. 
Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen.